welcome back to another episode of Ground Under Repair. I'm your host, Tim Williams. This week, we have an angle on golf that we've all seen but rarely considered. What exactly goes into designing a golf course, and how does a course designer judge their own work? I sat down with Bruce Charlton and Robert Trent Jones, the second golf course architects, to find out. This week on Ground Under Repair is Bruce Charlton, President and Chief Design Officer at Robert Trent Jones, the second golf, chor- golf course architects. Bruce, thank you for coming on the show this week. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. It's always great to talk golf, right? So, Absolutely. And right in perfect time of year. The Masters just finished. A lot of people are thinking about golf up here in the Northeast. It's finally the first about the first time of year we can start to play, so... Great to great to talk <laughs> yeah. about the game a little bit now. Well, Masters, the Masters is always kind of the rite of spring, right? It's kind of the kickoff of the golf world's uh, season, so it's always it always seems to kind of perk the interest of golf. That's for sure. Yeah, I think I think that's when everyone starts looking for tee times. Is right when they realize, <laughs> oh, that's going on, and and it, there's no more snow on the ground. I think it's time to see what's open. Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 you know, golf golf has a, you know, one of the great things about golf is that, it, you know, you go out and you experience the elements and and um, it, it's kind of wonderful to get out there and smell all the smells of, of spring and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a game for the senses. It really is. And, um, um, you know, that's one of the reasons I love it so much is it does challenge each one of your senses to be, to, to, to be involved. And, uh, um one of the best games in the world, and I don't know of any other sports that actually do that. But you know, it's very similar to skiing in that sense. Skiing is it's kind of you against the mountain, and in golf, it's you against the course. So that's one of the questions I had for you: is that I always thought that golf is a game between the golfer and the course itself, and that the court, if you have an opponent playing golf, it is the course. So when you're designing a course, do you think that way on the other end? Is it is it that way for a designer as well? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we we kind of think of ourselves as uh, you know of, of the as the goalies and the goal goalkeeper in soccer or, or hockey or something. And that you know we're kind of defending we're kind of defending the the ability of the players. And and that being said, you know you want to be be respectful for uh, for all the players and you want to have everybody enjoy the game. So, but uh, when it comes to the best players in the world, we're definitely feel like it's attack and defense and the architect is is hugely involved in, in the defense of the best players in the game but one of the real talents you know, of being in our industry and designing golf courses is is to try to have a golf course that that you know a, really provides a challenge for you know absolutely the best men and women players of the world yet you know you and I and, and my mom and and, and your son can go out and, and, and play golf on the same golf course and, and have fun. And, and that's, that's, that's where it gets to be. Uh, yeah. I really have to think about a lot of things in the design of course to have it to be that flexible. And it's so much fun when you can achieve that. You mentioned the best players in the world. Your own portfolio includes Chambers Bay, which of course hosted the U S open just a couple of years ago. <laughs> what was it like watching a major tournament at your own course, at a course you designed. Oh well, it it it, it was um, 
you know, like a kid in a candy store, frankly. And uh, it was so much fun. You know, we were involved at, very actively with uh, the USGA as, as, as the USGA came in and 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 made uh, you know slight tweaks to the golf course because of the the fact that it is going to be the host for the U.S. Open. We worked with closely with with the USGA, Mike Davis in particular, who's a master at what he does and setting up a golf course for the best players in the world. And <laughs> in fact, it was kind of funny during the whole thing. We would talk about, we would be out looking at the golf course, walking the golf course in preparation for both the amateur and the open. And um, after the amateur, we walked to the course quite a bit. And Mike kept on saying, well, okay, now how are we going to put pressure on a guy like Dustin Johnson? And uh, sure enough, Dustin Johnson was one of the guys that rose rose to the cream of the crop that week. And, um, you know, Mike was concerned about, you know, Dustin Johnson just being able to overpower Chambers Bay with his pure length and and things like that. So a lot of the tweaks we did were out there in the Dustin Johnson zone, which is (laughs) a second shot for most of us. So, but no, it it was an absolute joy and, um, the drama that came down in, in that to the final holes in that championship. And I was extremely pleased with, um, you know, the quality of champion that, uh, that came out of the, the 2015 open at, at Chambers Bay. I was very uh, upset that um, Dustin missed his four footer because um, I had an inside the ropes pass <laughs> and I was really looking forward to following the, uh, the 18-hole uh, playoff with uh, with you know with Jordan and Dustin going at it. Uh, so, but you know that's things come to pass, and there's a reason why things come to pass. So, and since then, uh, I think the Dustin Johnson has proved himself. So it's it's been it's been, it was it was a very good turn of events for for I think both players. Uh, and um, so, uh, unbelievable experience watching that. It was great. And. And back to that point about golfers against the course, the U.S. Open is kind of unique in the four majors that I think a lot of people, myself included, root for the course and hope it, in a way, wins the U.S. Open because we all struggle out there on the golf course from time to time. We'll lose a ball in deep rough or we'll just have a rough round. And to see pros, even the best in the world, struggling with a golf course is a little bit cathartic for the rest of us, I think. Oh, definitely. I think it's, I think it's fun for, to see people of that skill level, you know, struggle and hit some shots that we've all, (laughs) we've all hit in our weekend rounds and things like that. I think Sandy Tatum, the former USGA uh, executive director, uh, you know, I think he said it best years ago. He says, we're, we're not trying to, the U.S. Open is not a test to try to defeat the best players in the world. We just want to define who the best one is this week. Uh, define define who is the best player this week. So, then uh, I know par is a standard with the USGA. They really believe that a course should play close to its par for the national championship. And uh, I love to watch the U.S. Open for that for that reason alone. Um, there's so much drama and. and the trials and tribulations of, of players. Uh, and, uh, you know, the other thing interesting about the U S open is that, you know, uh, it's one of the few times that players can really, really comment on the course, the course conditions and things like that, because most of the time on the tour, they're, 
you know, they're, they're, they're careful. They're not allowed to do that uh, based on you know, some of the fines that they might receive. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun uh, to not only watch the U.S. Open, but to listen to what the players say. On your bio on the, uh, on the company website, it says you were an assistant golf course superintendent as a teenager. So I suppose it's safe to say you've spent your entire career in the game of golf. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I grew up uh, uh, playing the game um, since I was a little kid. Um, I started working on the golf course in little hometown of Manchester, Iowa, northeast corner of, of Iowa, northeast section of Iowa. And um, it was, wasn't was long that I realized, you know, I really want to be outside working on the golf course. So uh, early teenage years, I, I, was, I was doing a lot of that. And then I can't remember when it was. I think I was probably 13 or 14 years old. And uh, I was out there setting the cups one day and, you know, I was thinking it was pretty cool because I was getting the chance to choose where the whole location is. And then it just dawned on me once I said, well, who figured out why this green is here and why is it not over there? And, you know, why is it over to the left more? And I finally realized, well, somebody had to figure all this out. <laughs> and that's kind of where, my, you know, my interest was peaked. And I did some research as a, as a, you know, a teenager and getting close to going to college and found out that, Landscape architecture, you know, was was really the basic skills required to, to understand how you technically build a golf course. And uh, so I followed that and uh, went to school at University of Arizona, got out of the cold weather. And I thought I was a good enough golfer to play on the golf team, but didn't come close. <laughs> but so I immediately concentrated on uh, landscape architecture and, uh, and uh, with an emphasis on golf. And and it's uh, graduated from college, and I've uh, been working with Bobby since. So it's 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 uh, been a um, been kind of a dream come true. I, I you know it's 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 not work. It's it's a it's a pleasure to do golf course architecture. Is there anything you've learned about golf over the years that you feel you could only have found out and discovered as a course architect? Ah, great question. Um, you know. Um, I think the, the, the one thing I've probably learned as from being a golf course architect is to take what the golf course gives you in relationship to your own skills. Uh, so many times in golf course architecture, we kind of entice people to uh, take gambles, to do things that may be above their skill level, as opposed to just you know, you know, staying away from that water hazard, and there's you know tons of fairway over here to the right, and that leaves a nice angle into the green. Um, you know, that I think the, the the golfers that play within themselves and play to their skill levels, uh, it's really fun. It's really fun to watch those people do that and understand that. And I would say, as as my game, as I get a little older, as my game just kind of you know just is kind of. <laughs> stay in there as it's not improving, it's not going downhill. I just find that I, I, I look at a golf course much more architecturally and say, okay, well, you know, the architects are obviously trying to get me to do this, but I know that there's a great spot to bail out right here and, and be conservative. And, you know, I might have a little tougher shot, my next shot, but I'm, at least I'm playing it and I'm not taking a penalty stroke. <laughs> so I think that's probably the thing I've learned most from from the architecture side and how it affects the game as as I play it. 
do you ever get do you ever feel the need to get for lack of a better word sinister in designing a particular hole um <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, golf course architects, uh, we, we, we're behavior modification specialists as much as anything. Um, I, I really like golf holes that make people um, ha- have them make choices and, and give them the opportunity to make choices. Um, I think that's what we call the strategic school of golf course design is that, you know, um, you can you can be aggressive. You can you can yield a better shot angle. You can be a lot closer to the green if you do certain things. But um, yeah, there's some sinister thoughts in that. But equally important on the very same hole is to give people the friendly area to go. And a lot of times, golf holes don't do both. And that's just a philosophy that I adhere to. Is that you know, with the exception of a short par three or you've got to force carry over something like a natural ravine or a natural stream or a, a water hazard, something like that. Um, but I like golf courses that, you know, the, the fly fox can understand and, and maybe beat the, uh, the strong limberback <laughs> by, by just playing shots to the right areas and, and letting the ball react the way the golf course allows the ball to react. And, and sometimes, um, you know, you don't have to hit straight at the target in order to yield the best effort. Um, I think that takes what golf is, to me, is a purely great test of mental ability and playing within yourself and playing smart. And if you build a golf course to adhere to that, the sinister side of you comes in when you say, okay, now I'm going to make them think they can do this, but... 95% of the time, the player is not going to be able to accomplish that shot. But you make it close enough. You make it enticing enough that they'll go, hmm, I wonder if I can do that. I'm feeling pretty good today. I'll, I might try that on. That, to me, is making it, makes the golf course so so much fun and exciting. Well, I am certainly the kind of golfer that will fall into that trap more often than not. <laughs> we got you. Just for the sake of the one in 20 that you get that actually lands where you want it to land, you can feel the sense of accomplishment. But unfortunately, you have to lose quite a few balls to understand that sense of accomplishment sometimes. Yes, no no question. Uh, no question. It, and I'll tell you what, you design a golf course and then you go out and play it. And you go out and play it with your skill levels and you know exactly where, you know, someone of my skill level should hit the ball. You know, I'm just right around 9, 10 handicap. And you go out to the you know, opening day, and you go out and you cannot execute it. You just don't. He hit stupid shots, and you go, "Gosh, I know I'm not supposed to do that." But <laughs> so it's kind of it's fun and frustrating on opening day. The same thing is that you know exactly well the golf course could play, and can you do that? Not always. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I was going to ask when you play your own courses, does Bruce Charlton, the golfer, ever get upset with Bruce Charlton, the course designer? Ah, that's a, no, no. I can honestly say no. Um, I see things when I play courses that that I go, um, you know, that that's not behaving quite the way it could be. It could be a mowing pattern. It could be a sand bunker edge. It could be uh, the, the greens not being mowed to the to the exact perimeter that we've uh, we've designed it. Um, but um, if I fall trapped to one of my own uh, um, nuances or one of my own things that, you know, we're enticing people to play into. 
I, I just shake my head and go, Bruce, you know better than that. <laughs> and uh, uh, um, I think, that, you know, you know, go back to one of the other questions. I think one of the things that being a golf architect has taught me about when you play the courses is, uh, you know, golf is a game you never want to give up on. Uh, you know, you could be having a lousy day through 13 holes and holes 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. You go par, par, birdie, birdie, par. You know, all of a sudden you think the game's the best thing, best thing in the world. So um, it, it, that's one of the things architecture has taught me is that it is a test of 18 holes, 18 different tests. And so you don't do very well on a few of them. Don't give up because there's a good chance whoever your partners are or your your, your opponent is, is probably going to run into some trouble too. So what's the process like designing a golf course? You mentioned natural streams and, and natural ravines that I suppose when you look at a plot of land, there's the occasion where you'll see something immediately that you just can't wait to build something around. Well, I, I, it, it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's both a technical process and, a, and an aesthetic process. I mean, one of the things I like to do is, uh, is, you know, is, is to walk a property and, you know, feel things, feel things on your feet, feel the slopes, uh, feel the wind, you know, have the smells of nature and some of those things because you're going to experience that when you play the course. But then, in the more technical side, when we get the topographic mapping in, um, I like to study where the water's going. Uh, in other words, you can follow the topographic lines. You can follow when the, when the water lands on this property, where is it going? And um, you try to design golf holes to follow that pattern as opposed to uh, work golf holes against those patterns. And, um, you know, uh, Augusta National uh, holes, uh, you know, 12 and 13 are probably the best examples of that where they, they really took advantage of the flow of the land and uh, especially 13, the way it swings around the right there on that slope next to Ray's Creek. And then they put the green on the other side of Ray's Creek. And, you know, that is a golf hole that just fits what the land gave them. And it takes a lot of talent to really study that. And the, the, the way I do it is, is I get a big blue pin out and I just mark up the topo map and say, this is where the water's going. The first thing I do is follow the water and then see if I can get golf holes to, to match that flow of land. Hey, everybody. Tim Williams here to tell you about Podcast Lab. We're a group of writers, most of us sports writers like myself, who are taking our material to the world of podcasting. There's the Sunshine Boys podcast, where Jim Williams hosts longtime Tampa sports writers Joe Henderson and Ira Kaufman as they take you through the week in sports. Joe also joins Tom Jackson and moderator Jim Williams for the Politically Incorrect podcast, giving you a taste of the political pulse of Florida. Puck University is our college hockey podcast, giving you a glimpse into the world of college hockey. Conference Call with Jim Williams breaks down the big events of the college sports calendar from the people who make it happen. Speaking of inside looks, get an inside look on golf, golf courses, and all things related to fairways and greens on Ground Under Repair. There's also my sports podcast, The Pickup Game with Tim Williams, giving you weekly takes on sports from a Bucks fan who loves Boston. All this with more to come on the Podcast Lab Network, writers experimenting in podcasting. 
so in in your mind, what makes a golf course really stand out? What's the difference between a, a pretty good course and a great one? Uh, well, I think it's a combination of things. I go to the shots first. Um, I think it's asking the player to hear, hit a series of exhilarating shots, whether that's it's over natural hazards or, uh, you know, creating things on the golf course that test the player's abilities and, and ask, ask them to gamble and things like that. Um, that's, that's one of the things. Um, but I, I tell you, um, <laughs> it's a combination of having a beautiful experience. I mean, somebody once said, that, you, know, you know, Pebble Beach, if you put Pebble Beach in the middle of New Jersey, you know, it's just not a golf course. And there's some truth to that. I mean, the, the greatness of Pebble Beach and some of the holes is just the fact that you have the drama and the cliffs of the, of the Pacific Ocean and the rocks with the waters, you know, splashing off of it, all that kind of stuff. So um, that creates the exhilaration that I'm talking about. So uh, <laughs> um, it's just a combination of factors. I think it's, you know, natural elements, uh, great views, great landscapes, and then Shots that, you know, you, I, I call exhilarating shots for me are the ones that I get to the top of my backswing and I go, boy, I've got to hit this. And, you know, you just hit it square. Just don't don't screw up. <laughs> and um, that, that's the kind of golf course that I think that's what makes great golf courses. Your courses can be found all over the world. Do you ever feel that golf doesn't quite get the credit it deserves as a worldwide sport? Uh, you know, it doesn't. Um, I think what's really helping that, uh, in, in, in the current uh, current history going on is the fact that golf was brought back to the Olympics. I think now all all countries around the world are viewing golf much more as a sport than as a, a game for the privileged. Um, and I think the more we can promote that around the world, uh, the better off we are. I, I can tell you one thing, you know, being involved in golf courses in different corners of the world, it is truly an international game, you know, goes, goes well beyond uh, cultures. Um, it's a lot like music in that sense. Uh, I'll never forget the first time I went to China. We're in, out in the middle of nowhere, China. We're looking at this golf course site. We go in to grab a little bite to eat at this little corner restaurant, and we walk in, and what's playing on the, on the radio but Hey Jude by the Beatles? You know, and I'm going, <laughs> well, I guess music is truly universal because literally out in the middle of nowhere in China. And But uh, golf is similar. I mean, people that enjoy the game and play the game, whether you're in Sweden, whether you're in China, whether you're in Ecuador, or you're in Australia, uh, the basics of the game, the basics that appeal to all of us, the reasons we play the game is the same. And watching people's reactions, and, you know, depending on whatever – Whatever language they're talking, a lot of a lot of the reactions are the same. So it is truly an international sport, and I think the fact that we need to think of it more as a sport uh, than as a game, I think that's very important to the appeal for golf worldwide. I think that's one thing the current field of the PGA Tour does very well. I remember when I was growing up that a golfer that even some of the best professional golfers in the world didn't exactly look like athletes in other sports, but now they're in shape. They have to cross train. They have to do all these things just to stay 
in the kind of shape you need to be in to hit the ball as far as they do and to be as consistent as they are on tour. So I think that's helping change the image from the the game that people would occasionally laugh at not being so athletic to a sport that um, the beauty about golf is nobody realizes how hard it is till they play it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you got to credit a lot of people for that. I mean, probably most recently, or, you know, in recent history is you got to credit tiger for being just a, 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 you know, a workout enthusiast, you know, that guy's an animal when it comes to working out and, and staying in shape for golf. And, I think a lot of the people around Tiger in the times that he played have seen his dedication to to making his body be as strong as possible. Um, that's been very, very helpful. I think people around the world are doing it. And then if you, I don't know if you've ever sto- stood next to Dustin Johnson, but that guy looks like he could be a tight end for the Chicago Bears or, you know, a small forward for an NBA team. The guy is just a physical specimen. And, um, you know, more and more golfers are are, are turning to that, that MO of being just, you know, a tip-top athlete in great physical shape. Um, and I, I applaud that. I think it's great for the game. With environmental issues becoming a bigger and bigger concern worldwide, how can golf courses start to utilize a little bit fewer resources and still maintain the high standard of quality. Well, you know, it's interesting that um, um, I think golf has always been um, a a game that embraces mother nature, uh, understands mother nature. Um, I think golf has gotten a a bad rap through the years as being something that, um, you know, opposes their will on the land. And I think, in golf in the last 25 years has realized that, hey, we need to promote the fact that we are stewards of the game. And then how can we do it even better? And I think one of the key things that I see going on, at least in, in this part of the world, and then, uh, you know, a lot of parts of the world, frankly, is, is the reduction in, in water utilization. And with that, bringing more drought-tolerant plant, plants that require less uh, fertilization uh, less day-to-day care, and all the way down through the, the turf grasses that you plant on golf courses now. And, um, you know, one of the tricks of the trade, in, in my opinion, is that, you know, there's a lot of area around tees, around tee complexes, that typically grass everywhere. And I think you can do some great things with reducing the amount of turf around tees and, and as you go out to the fairway around the perimeters or on the outside. Uh, to reduce the, um, the inputs required both in water, in fertilizer, in herbicides, and, and in labor take care of this stuff. And uh, that, that kind of goes to the sustainability issue, not only the environmental side, but the financial side too. Um, so I, I think that uh, the more you study the piece of land that you, you have, whether it's an existing golf course or a proposed golf course, and you study the, the native plants in the environment and really think put, put on your thinking cap on how can this course be as fun as possible yet really fit this environment. That's, that's the key. I think I mean, the golf architecture, I think, has become much more in tune with that over the last 25 years than it might have been in the past. Although, if you go and you play some of the golf courses where golf was originated in Scotland or something, I mean, there's just natural stuff all over the place, and they ask you to hit it in between it. 
<laughs> and he can't always do it. But uh, um, so I think the, the game is rooted in, in, in understanding the piece of land that it's played upon and, and being respectful uh, of that, of that piece of land. And, and frankly, I, one of the ways we like to at Robert Trent Jones, one of the things we like to do to com, is to combat the, um, the environmental side of things is just give people a lot of room off the tee and basically on the perimeters is just frame it with, with beautiful natural environments. Uh, and it can be, it can be sometimes created, but it ties real well into, into the, the, the native environment that, that the golf course surrounds. So it's an art, it's a talent. Uh, you, you have to think about it on every course, but that's what golf is. Golf is a game played in nature. And, uh, we need to, we need to always embrace that in my opinion. It's hard to imagine a particularly good golf course not embracing the area around it in some way. It, it, having the views, having the the sights around of nature, I think that's what makes most people's most memorable courses. Is that the area around the views and the and the look of the course itself can really, you know, I'm I'm not a hiker. I'm not someone that goes out and, and goes up a mountain or anything. So golf is really where I take nature in. And I think there are a lot of golfers like that. And I, I think we all appreciate those of you that, that put the courses together and do it with an eye on the, the natural area around. Well, I think it just enhances the whole experience. And, uh, and you come off the golf course after playing a golf course that, that really gives you that sense. Uh, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, oh, I've had, I've had a good day outdoors. And, uh, you know, I, I always sleep better after I play around the golf outdoors. I don't know why. When I go to bed, it seems like I sleep better. So um, that's a good thing. Out of all your own designs, do you have a specific hole that you might call your favorite or one that stands out to yourself? <laughs> that's that's a little bit like asking who your favorite child, you know. I mean, uh, and uh, fortunately, that's easy for me to answer because I only have one child. So it works well. But, um, um, you know, I don't, uh, there's, there, I, I, you know, I could come up with a dozen that, that pop in the pop into my brain and, um, um, it's, you know, a lot of what we do is, is, is relationship oriented too. We've talked a lot about mother nature and, and tying into the environment and creating shots and all that stuff, but. A big factor in what we do is the people that we're working for, the owners, and uh, some of the some of the most memorable things I've had in this industry are are not necessarily oriented to the site itself or the golf hole itself. It's oriented more towards the people we're working with and the fun experiences and the the insights gained from some of these some of these people. So um, <laughs> it's. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm certainly dodging this question because I don't have one. I, I really don't have a single favorite of any given given golf hole. Um, you know, I, I can think of golf holes in Sweden and Norway and China, in Arkansas, in in Chambers Bay, in, in San Diego. I mean, I can just go through some of the courses that that Bobby and I've been fortunate enough to work on that have you know holes that that stick in my brain but can that the one hole be more favorite than another no 
I don't, I don't think so. That's a tough question. I, I, I would say I don't have a favorite because there's so many I would, I would say. <laughs> okay. That's, that's a certainly valid answer. And what would do you say the difference are, are, or the differences between designing a public course and a private one? You mentioned the owners, the people that, that call you in. I, I might imagine there are some differences between the public golf courses and the private ones in that regard. Oh, I think there is. I think with the private course, you can you can do things that are a little bit more, um, uh, a little bit less obvious the very first time you play it. In other words, a great private course, in my opinion, is one. The more you play it, the more you learn the nuances, and the more you have a home field advantage over someone you bring in and come play my course. That's the thing. I think that's one of the best parts of having a, pub, a private course public courses I'm a huge fan of in that I like you know to to create public golf courses where everything is in front of you 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 know the shots you need to hit um you provide people a lot of room you provide people with a lot of different avenues and choices and um you're all about uh trying to create a golf course that's as flexible as possible now frankly um whether I'm given a private project, private course project, or a public course project, my philosophy, my big picture philosophy doesn't really change. It's just in the details and the amount of space that you provide. And also, uh, you know, the, the third dimension, the shaping on, on, a, on, a, on a public operated by a municipality or a county or something like that, you want to be, be a little bit more cognizant of how it's going to be maintained. And making sure that the maintenance of, of the golf course uh, is done um, efficiently. Uh, on a p- private course, there's usually, you know, different funds available and things like that. So you can be um, a little less um, in touch with the, the, you know, making everything very maintenance friendly. Um, so, you know, there's some, there's some nuances like that. But the basic design philosophy of in, I think people enjoy the game, a lot of choices, um, areas that, you know, for you to bail out and, and, and enjoy the game, play to your skill level. That doesn't change. It's just some of the details and, and frankly, budgets. And, and you got to understand, you know, the quality of players, too. Uh, you know, a public golf course, you get the gamut. You get the, some of the best players in that region, and you can have people that are just beginning. So um, there's definitely philosophies that you need to kind of, incorporate the fact that you're, you're really appealing to a wider range of players on a, a public golf course typically. And that, that's part of the fun of doing those courses. We've, we've been, we've prided ourselves on, on taking on public work and enjoying um, the ability to create great facilities that are very flexible for everyone to enjoy. Do you have any examples of something outside of golf that has inspired your designs maybe not necessarily even something natural around the property, just something that you might not normally think about that's, that managed to spill into your work. You know, um, that, that, that's interesting. I've, I've often thought about uh, kind of the, the three point shot in basketball and the, the excitement that that's brought and, you know, thinking about a golf hole and saying, okay, where's the three pointer here? You know, where's, where's the, Where's the shot that will yield just you know the ability to score this on this golf hole much better, and that that kind of goes to 
some of those enticing sinister elements that you know <laughs> I, I we like to incorporate so that if 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 you can take a something like that on you should get a reward you should be able to get on the green on two and a par five and possibly be button for for an eagle which would be like a three pointer on in basketball um uh, the other, the other, you know, kind of sport that, uh, ironically, um, uh, are, are, are like ice skating, uh, swimming and diving, uh, gymnastics, where there's the there's the subjective element uh, involved, the judging. Um, a lot of golf is being judged by the players themselves, as opposed to the people the judges out there watching it. Of course, all of our courses get judged by critics and things, which is another story. But in terms of, uh, of watching how other sports are judged and the technical side of the judgments, the very strict criteria of how they're being judged, you know, how does a golf course examine the strict criteria of the players? And if you look at golf holes in that perspective of being a strict examination of the skill level, that's just something that I've picked up from watching other sports. It's like, okay, how do I, how do I incorporate that into a golf hole? You know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, <laughs> kind of out there, kind of thinking outside the box, but uh, um, I've, I've kind of derived some of that from, from other sports. And then of course, you know, I'm, I wouldn't call myself a huge art fan, but uh, I do like looking at paintings and the, and the ability of people to um, create um uh, what's the right word, kind of create a mood or an experience based on the way the painting, um, uh, you know, when you first look at a painting, it usually gives you some kind of emotional response. And I, I, I like the idea of people going up to a tee on a golf hole and eliciting some kind of emotional response. And sometimes, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, absolute fear sometimes absolute glory sometimes you know wow what a beautiful sight you know uh those kind of things uh, but the fact that you know paintings usually do create some kind of emotional response i think golf course and golf holes should do the same i think that's a good segue into one final question when a golfer walks off okay. the 18th green on one of your courses what do you want them to think what do you want their takeaway to be when can I come back? When's my when's my next tee time? How soon can I get back? That to me is the judge of a golf course that has really kind of in, it, it captured the uh, the intensity, the imagination of the players, and obviously an enjoyable experience. But I mean, you know, think about it. Some great golf courses that you play, and you go and you play, and you get to the 18th hole and you're done. And you go, gosh, I can't wait to get back. I really screwed up on eight, and boy, if I only would have made that putt on 12, and if I, geez, if I only would have hit it here on 15 and not tried to take on the water, you know, I, I, I would be looking at a 77 instead of an 82, you know, whatever. That's that's the kind of response I I, I like to hear. And and then lastly, you know, one of the real joys of, of walking off the 18th hole is when I see when I see families, uh, mothers and daughters, daughters and dads, mothers and sons, you know, whatever mix, um, enjoying a, a golf course. I, I, I kind of look at that as like, you know, that that's kind of the cream of the crop for you know creating a, an environment where people of all, all, all levels, all skill levels. I mean, I, I remember when I was working on the golf course and I was back in Iowa, I used to get done with work at about four 
And there was a gentleman that was 82 years old that knew I got off work at four and he knew I wanted to play. And he knew he had somebody he could play with. He would, he would show up and John McKeg was his name and I'd get on the team. Here's an 82 year old guy playing with a 14 or 15 year old. Where does that happen in society? Not very many places. And that's one of the beauties of golf. And, uh, 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 he this gentleman always told me he was, gonna, he was gonna die on the golf course and I was in college and my mom called me up and she goes, Bruce, Mr. McKeg died and I go, Please tell me he died on the golf course and he goes, Yep, yep, he was out on the eighth hole. <laughs> I'm going, Oh, the man is, has lived his life well. So But that's what golf is. It's 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 a it's a great game for all ages. Bruce Charlton of Robert Trent Jones of Second Golf Course Architects, thank you so much for coming on Ground Under Repair. Thank you. I love it. Anytime. That's our show for this week. Thanks again to Bruce Charlton for joining the podcast. Thanks to Blog Talk Radio. And thanks to each and every one of you for listening. You can subscribe to Ground Under Repair on iTunes and Stitcher. And be sure to check out all our podcasts on the Podcast Lab Network. Until next week, I'm Tim Williams. Fairways and greens, everybody. Fairways and greens.